0: From wsc and HD1 Columbia, I'm Mor And
1: I'm Erin Slowey. This is Localized from WUSC News.
0: The U.S. woke up in awe this morning after news broke that President Trump and the First Lady had tested positive for COVID-19. Within the last hour, we've learned that the president has been hospitalized. This comes only a month before the presidential election. And cast doubt on what happens next in the electoral process. Coming up, we're going to talk about what that all means.
1: Also, the start of October has the university making final preparations for homecoming. In the past, it's been a campus-wide celebration, complete with nightly events from students and alumni. But how do they plan to pull it off in a pandemic? One of the people behind the scenes will join us later to talk about how homecoming will look different this year. All that and more coming up on Localize. The
0: news is first.
2: Live from WUSC News, I'm Summer Rogers. The White House has just confirmed that President Trump has been hospitalized due to complications from the coronavirus. The president, along with the first lady, both tested positive earlier this morning after traveling closely with Hope Hicks, a Trump aide who tested positive for the virus yesterday. He will fly into Walter Reed Hospital tonight, where he will continue his work in the hospital's presidential suite. Governor Henry McMaster announced today that restaurants will now be allowed to operate at full capacity, the first time since early May. WUSC's Finn Carlin reports.
3: South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster announced today that he's lifting capacity restrictions on restaurants, as reported by the state. To slow the spread of the coronavirus, restaurants have been limited to 50% capacity over the course of the past few months, including that last call for alcohol sales be no later than 11 p.m. As surrounding states such as Florida and Georgia have lifted their capacity restrictions, McMaster now plans to follow suit while still keeping his last call order in place, stating that limiting sales for alcohol consumption has been very effective. Although McMaster will be allowing 100% indoor capacity in restaurants, the statewide mandate requiring masks while not seated at a table will still be in effect. But the governor says he is leaving this to the discretion of local governments. Finn Carlin, WSC News, Columbia.
2: COVID-19 cases are continuing to decrease here on campus. According to the University COVID dashboard, only 39 active cases are remaining and the alert remains at new normal. UFSC president Bob Castlin spoke in the first ever state of the university address earlier this week. He gave his speech virtually on Wednesday and discussed pressing issues. Most notably was the tuition freeze for the 2021-2022 school year aimed to ease any financial worry going into the next school year. Of course, president Castlin stressed the importance of health of students in light of the decreasing COVID numbers. An NFL game has been postponed after several players tested positive for coronavirus. WUSC's Trey Martin has more.
0: This upcoming Sunday's NFL game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tennessee Titans has been postponed until late October following a coronavirus outbreak in the Titans' locker room. Throughout the week, Tennessee has reported that seven players and six staff members tested positive after facing the Minnesota Vikings last weekend. Vikings did not report any positive tests of their own. This is the first COVID-19 outbreak the NFL has seen since resuming operations in July. The Vikings are still scheduled to take on the Houston Texans this Sunday. I'm Trey Martin with WUSC News.
2: The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 134 points today. The Nasdaq fell 251 points and the S&P 500 dropped 32 points. It's currently 72 degrees outside and partly cloudy. The low tonight will be 50 degrees. Tomorrow will be partly cloudy as well, with a high of 73 and a low of 54. I'm Summer Rogers, and you're listening to WUSC News. It's 604.
4: Hi, I'm Belle from the classic fairy tale, The Beauty and the Beast. In case you've forgotten, I'm the beauty character. (laughs) From first-hand experience, I can tell you, people aren't always what they seem. I was kidnapped by a beast who turned out to be a handsome prince, score! Anyways, what I'm saying is, looks can be deceiving. Since October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, I want to clear up some stereotypes associated with the typical male predator. When it comes to interpersonal violence within college communities, surprisingly, the typical college perpetrator is outwardly charming and has many friends. His friends may be aware of his actions and know his behavior is wrong, but choose not to get involved. Student Health Services' Sexual Assault and Violence Intervention and Prevention Department at USC wants friends and bystanders to stand up to this person and do what is right. Just because he seems like a prince charming doesn't mean he isn't a beast. Help someone have a fairy tale by visiting www.sa.sc.edu forward slash s-h-s forward slash s-a-v-i-p to stand up, Carolina.
0: You're listening to Localize from WUSC News. I'm more Jollis. Just a few days after a chaotic presidential debate and exactly one month before the presidential election, news broke this morning that President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump had tested positive for COVID-19. Both are now in isolation, and since news broke, contact tracers have been working furiously to test everyone in contact with the president over the past few days. But the president's diagnosis has triggered an internet firestorm of speculation, many worrying about the implications this will have on the upcoming election. Here with me now to break it all down is Christine Bartriff. She is a WSC political analyst and news editor for the Daily Gamecock. Christine, how are you?
5: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: Great. Also joining us today is WSC political correspondent and SGTV associate producer Finn Carlin. Finn, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Ward. So, Finn, I'm going to start with you first. We just got the news within the last hour that President Donald Trump has been hospitalized because of complications due to the coronavirus. And this raises all sorts of questions about what happens if President Trump becomes incapacitated before the election. Uh, Finn, what do we know?
3: Yeah, so in terms of the election, nothing is certain. Because some voters have already sent in their mail-in ballots to begin the election process, there's no telling what would happen should the president pass away within the coming weeks. We know that Vice President Pence, should that happen, would assume office because of the 20th Amendment of the Constitution, and he would be an acting president if and until President Trump recovers. If the president were to pass, all we know is that there would be electoral battles on all levels of the U.S. court system to try and decide who would fill that seat next January.
0: Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, and how did Trump get the virus in the first place, Van? I mean, how did we get here?
3: Yeah, so yesterday, uh, one of his closest White House advisors, Hope Hicks, was reported yesterday to have tested positive for the virus. And since then, Trump tweeted last night that Hicks was positive and that he and First Lady Melania Trump had gotten tested and starting their quarantine process now. Trump was also on a Fox News interview with Sean Hannity last night. CNN reported that Trump told Hannity that Hicks wore a lot of masks but still tested positive. In that same interview, Trump praised Hicks on the fine job that she was doing and said that he was around her a lot of the time, and so that's why he got tested with Melania soon after receiving those results.
0: Okay, so clearly things have changed a good bit since then. Christine, I'm going to move to you now. Obviously, the whole situation throws a wrench into any predictability we had going into the upcoming election. We're just one month away from Election Day. So what does this do to Trump's reelection campaign?
5: Yeah, well, I would say there certainly hasn't been much predictability this election season, but (laughs) (laughs) definitely. But um, yeah, so Trump won't be able to attend campaign events while he's quarantining, which will obviously affect the campaign and could affect um, his base's support. And for Trump's critics, the irony of this entire situation isn't lost on them, especially after Trump chided Biden at the debate for wearing a mask too frequently. Um, and this whole thing just opens Trump up for even more criticism about his coronavirus response plan.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, we, we're, we're just about to move on to the mask thing, too. So actually, Finn, I want to move back to you. Just a few days ago on Tuesday, Trump faced off with Joe Biden, as Christine just said, at a very chaotic debate. Mm-hmm. At one point, um, he did poke fun at Joe Biden for uh, wearing masks. Take a listen. I don't have. To, I don't wear masks like him. Every time you see him, he's got a mask. He could be speaking two hundred feet away from it. He shows up with the biggest mask I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. So, Finn, a lot of people have consistently called Trump out for not taking the pandemic seriously, do you think that President Trump is going to shift perspectives after all this? You know, maybe like UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who also dealt with the virus.
3: Yeah, so a lot of the president's rallies have been seen having thousands of people gathered pretty closely together without masks. And like I said, uh, the president himself has been seen in public rarely wearing a mask. And he said at the debate that he wears his mask when he thinks he needs it. But uh, it seems as though that could change in perspective with uh, dependent on his experience with Uh, coronavirus. We saw earlier this year, as you said, that Boris Johnson, the prime minister of UK, had to be put on a ventilator because his COVID symptoms were so extreme. And with the USA Today just reporting that the president is on his way to Walter Reed Hospital tonight in light of his diagnosis, raising questions about his health. If he has severe symptoms of any kind, then that could really create the possibility that he would completely shift his point of view on COVID. It could also mean that he not only changes the way he conducts his rallies, but also his mannerism towards COVID safely and the next debate, uh, whenever
0: that should be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister tweeted earlier today, my best wishes to President Trump and the First Lady. Hope they have a speedy recovery from coronavirus. Finn, how have other people outside of the U.S. been reacting to this news?
3: Yeah. So outside of the United States, the reactions to President Trump's diagnosis have actually been quite similar. We saw this morning Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan tweeted Wishing President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump a speedy recovery from COVID-19, as well as India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi tweeting that wishing my friend President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump a quick recovery and good health. So it seems that other world leaders are also tweeting their well wishes to the President and the First Lady.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Uh, Christine, you know, we said before, Trump hasn't exactly been cooped up in the White House over the past week. Uh, He was recently at a rally in Minnesota that Hope Hicks also attended. Um, And even after she tested positive, he traveled to New Jersey for a fundraiser event there. Uh, What are people saying about this?
5: Yeah, so there's been a lot of buzz going around about this particular point. Uh, the New York Times and other news outlets have reported that Trump and his staff knew about Hope Hicks's positive test before going to that fundraiser in New Jersey. It's, not, it's still not quite clear why Trump went ahead with the trip. And it's also not quite clear if Hicks was the person to give him the virus. Like you said, the president has been at rallies and many other events over the past week where he could have contracted it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, lots of people on the left are poking fun at this entire situation, many claiming that Trump's testing positive is in a way karma for how he's handled the pandemic. But uh, how are Joe Biden and other lawmakers taking the news?
5: Well, there have been a lot of well wishes from other lawmakers. Biden specifically tweeted that he's hoping for a quick recovery for the Trumps. And the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, um, echoed that sentiment but also hoped the news would be a message to others to, to follow the guidelines for avoiding the spread of the virus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we mentioned before Trump was also with Joe Biden on the debate stage on Tuesday. Very chaotic debate there. Uh, But, you know, is the Biden campaign taking any preventative measures as well? I mean, they were only 15 apart just a few days ago, 15 feet apart, you know, just a few days ago.
5: Yeah, well, both Biden and his wife Jill have tested negative for the virus, along with vice presidential candidate Senator Kamala Harris. Um, and Biden is still continuing with campaign appearances. I haven't heard anything about heightened preventative measures, but Biden's campaign uh, just recently started doing in person events again, and they haven't been anywhere near as large as some of Trump's rallies.
0: Yeah, and we also heard that uh, Vice President Mike Pence plans to continue on the campaign trail while. President Trump is in isolation. So historically, presidents or other leaders going through significant health scares, uh, they experience a boost in approval ratings afterwards. Uh, After President Reagan survived his assassination attempt in 1981, his approval ratings skyrocketed. Uh, We mentioned Boris Johnson earlier uh, after he recovered from the virus. His approval ratings also increased. Uh, Clearly, it's a little bit different situation here. President Trump has publicly downplayed the virus in the past. He, like we said, made fun of Joe Biden earlier this week about wearing a mask. Uh, What do you think this says about Trump's chances of getting reelected, though?
5: Um, Well, like you said, it's definitely different from other cases that we've seen, specifically with Boris Johnson. Um, And as far as this whole thing plays out with the reelection, it just really depends on how everything turns out, how the Trump administration handles it, how severe his illness is, how long he's been taken off the campaign trail. Um, there is a possibility that Trump will come out of this taking the pandemic more seriously, but there's also a chance, and I think a lot of people would argue a stronger chance, that his base will use this as a reason to further minimize the pandemic, especially if his symptoms are mild and he recovers quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that we're gonna have to think about within the next couple days. Uh, and this is a developing situation um, and we'll just have to see what happens. That was WSC political analyst and Daily Gamecock news editor, Christine Bartriff. Christine, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. And also WSC political correspondent, Finn Carlin. Finn, thanks for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me, Ward. You're listening to Localize from WSC News. We'll be right back.
4: Hi, I'm Belle from the classic fairy tale, The Beauty and the Beast. In case you've forgotten, I'm the beauty character. (laughs) From first-hand experience, I can tell you, people aren't always what they seem. I was kidnapped by a beast who turned out to be a handsome prince, score! Anyways, what I'm saying is, looks can be deceiving. Since October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, I want to clear up some stereotypes associated with the typical male predator. When it comes to interpersonal violence within college communities, surprisingly, the typical college perpetrator is outwardly charming and has many friends. His friends may be aware of his actions and know his behavior is wrong, but choose not to get involved. Student Health Service's Sexual Assault and Violence Intervention and Prevention Department at USC wants friends and bystanders to stand up to this person and do what is right. Just because he seems like a prince charming doesn't mean he isn't a beast. Help someone have a fairy tale by visiting www.sa.sc.edu forward slash s-h-s forward slash s-a-v-i-p to stand up, Carolina.
1: You're listening to Localize from WSC News. I'm Erin Sloe. USC Homecoming has long been a staple of campus life, allowing students, faculty, staff, and alumni to come together in celebration. This year, they'll be coming together in a new way, with a mix of both in person and virtual events. Here to talk with us about what students can expect and what it took to bring it all together is Homecoming Sponsorship Director Marianne Bonaparte. Hey, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. So what can students expect from homecoming this year? How is it different than previous years?
6: Yeah, so usually um, in the past, homecoming has just been one week of events. Um, this year, to accommodate you know the hybrid virtual world that we're living in, <laughs> we're going to do two weeks. Um, so it's going to be from October 12th through the 24th. Um, and our theme this year is the cockiest decade yet. So it's going to be kind of twenties themed um, and we are really fortunate to be able to extend um, the week of events into two weeks. This allows us to still kind of partner with those organizations that we love to partner with um, such as the RHA and all the Greek organizations, but it gives us a way to do it safely so that we can have a virtual component and an in-person component.
1: Yeah. So what is all the planning that goes into doing these two homecoming weeks?
6: Yeah, so usually um, it starts in the fall. And then once we get back for second semester, we really hit the ground running. Um, You know, this year we got to second semester, we were really confident in what we had. And then, um, you know, of course, COVID came. So we really had to spend those quarantine days really just kind of adjusting. um, But as everyone knows, it seemed like each week we're getting a new piece of information. just kind of telling us how the fall semester would go. So, you know, we were really planning this up until about two weeks ago. Um, Our team has been fabulous, just in the way everyone's been able to adapt. Every time a new regulation came out, you know, we just changed our plan. So, um, there was definitely some days where we didn't really know what was going to come next, but I'm just so proud of our team and how we were able to adapt, um, in these
1: unprecedented times. Mm -hmm. So you're the homecoming sponsorship director. What role do you play in putting together homecoming?
6: Right. So in the past, um, you know, we usually like to give out gift cards to the winner of events, um, t shirts from like local businesses and that kind of thing but this year since everything's kind of different and we're doing a lot of virtual stuff um i've just been reaching out to local businesses and asking them to display a little um it's like a little decal and it'll say um our business is cocky it's a little sticker of cocky um that way you know there's just some community support um people have been really great in understanding that you know this year doesn't look the same for us and it doesn't look the same for their business either so we didn't really feel comfortable asking for you know free gift cards or any kind of swag or anything like that so we just really wanted their support and there will be a couple businesses um we'll be releasing those kind of into next week that are supporting us financially but again we didn't want to make that a priority since things have been so hectic for everyone
1: yeah so what are some events that you feel like students should look out for during this homecoming week like what are you most excited for
6: Yeah, so I think we're most excited for the kickoff, which is going to be on Monday, the 12th. We're going to have a band on Green Street, um, you know, really promoting social distancing and still wearing masks. But it's just kind of going to be a celebration that we still are able to um, celebrate homecoming. So that'll be Monday on Green Street. um, And that'll also be the day we pass out some rally towels. And then that night we'll release like a DIY tie dye video which will show everyone how they can decorate their rally flags um, and that kind of thing. And then other than that, we're still gonna be doing those popular um, events such as Spurs and Struts and the Stroll Off. Um, So those will just stream virtually so that everyone can still feel like they're a part of the experience. Um, And then throughout the whole two weeks, we'll be having We're partnering with Carolina Productions um, and Thursday After Dark to be doing like some virtual trivia nights and karaoke. So really just the whole two weeks is going to be full of events, um, either in person or virtually. And we'll have those promoted on our Instagram, which is at U of SC underscore homecoming. Um, And those will be out coming in the following day. So people can kind of mark their calendars and get excited.
1: Yeah, that's great. So I know you're talking a lot about virtual events. How can people watch these virtual events?
6: So we'll um, put the link to join into RSVP on Garnet Gate as well as like some links to get there on our homecoming pages, like our social media. Um, But they'll really just be like Zoom. Um, So similar to what everyone's been doing, I'm sure, for classes and other organizations, it'll just be um, our team on there um, and some Carolina Productions people following people um, to show them how to do like the trivia. We have really fun trivia hosts that are hilarious. They're like comedians. So um, it'll be really accessible for everyone. And that way we can actually allow for more people than we would be able to in person. Mm
1: -hmm. So talk me through a little bit about how you guys came up with the theme this year with the Roaring Twenties.
6: Yeah, so we actually um, were really big into collaborative um, kind of planning. We want everyone to have a say. So we sat down as a group and everyone came up with a little PowerPoint of their theme ideas. And there was actually several that kind of... um, went along with this like 20s, Roaring 20s theme. So that's why we decided that one, just because we felt like a lot of people were excited about that. I um, mean, it's something that, you know, everyone was kind of already joking about. They were like, oh, you know, back to the Roaring 20s, you know, we're in 2020. So um, that's kind of how we arrived at that decision. And we think it's just a lot of fun because, you know, this is a new decade, it's a new era. So we were excited to kind of play on that.
1: Yeah, that's great. So for students, Students can go to homecoming and go to these events, but what about the students who want to get involved with homecoming eventually, either this year or next year? How can they do that? Yeah, so we'll be having some info sessions um, in the coming weeks about how to
6: apply. Um, And it's a simple process. They'll just apply around the November time. They'll do interviews then. Um, I'm not sure if the interviews will be in person or virtually. I think that's a decision we'll be making soon. And then um, they'll go from there. And if they are put on the team, then that'll start, really in December, it's a
1: quick turnover time. Yeah. So kind of going back to when you found out that we were going online in the spring, what was your initial reaction? You guys had done so much planning for homecoming. What was your initial reaction to that? And how have you guys really adapted to it?
6: Um, I mean, I think it's safe to say we're all a little disappointed just because we had put like a lot of effort into this, but we have a phenomenal team. Our leadership, you know, they didn't want us to be discouraged. A lot of schools we found, we did some research and wanted to kind of collaborate with other schools and see what their plan was. A lot of schools just kind of threw in the towel and they're like, oh, well, you know, we're not going to do any campus programming or anything like that. Homecoming week will be canceled. But that's not really the stance we wanted to take. You know, this has been a really hard time for everyone, all of the student body. And we still wanted to make it special, especially for like first year students um, who, you know, they didn't really know what homecoming week was. So we just decided, let's just get to work. Let's plan as best we can and just kind of roll with the punches. Um, Again, I know I've said this, but I'm so proud of how our team has adapted. Um, It's really brought us close together. It seems like every day we're in communication. So it's been been great, honestly.
1: Yeah, that's great. So my final question that I have is, what can students do to get the most out of their homecoming experience this year?
6: That's a great question. you know, I think it's really just gonna be how much you wanna get involved. Um, you can still, you know, safely in your dorm, if you're gonna be streaming these things in your apartment, you know, get your friends together in a safe way. Um, just really make it the experience you want it to be. Um, you know, don't do not not participate just because it looks different, because at the end of the day, we do this for the student body. We want everyone to celebrate being a Gamecock because we're so proud of our school and our community and how we've come together. And You know, a lot of schools didn't even get to go back in person and we've done it safely. So just really celebrate and reflect on why you chose to be a Carolina Gamecock and, you know, get your friends together, have safe virtual parties, um, you know, make the most of it. And like I said, we'll be promoting these on Instagram. So you can kind of follow along there and um, plan those things with your friends.
1: Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Marianne, for joining me. That was Marianne Bonaparte and that's it for this week's episode of Localize. Make sure to join us every Friday at 6 p.m. for a local take on this week's biggest stories. Localize is production by WSC News and is produced by Mary Bryant-Charles and Ward Jawless.
0: The outreach coordinator for Localize is Rita Naidu, and the music for the show is called Freedom by Atch. If you want to listen to other news shows and WSC News podcasts, you can find those at garnetmediagroup.org. Brady Fitzgerald has the sports up next. And in Columbia, I'm more jealous
1: And I'm Erin Slowey. This is Localize from WUSC News.
0: See you next week.